Patricia Office. Fave. Pat Sammy Ray from Jim T Patricia from Unread Messages. Larry. John Gas. Bill Bragg. Bill Dot. And call button. Walden Hughes. Call to Bill Bragg. Sent on Thursday, December. Hello 14, there, Walden. 2017, 9 o'clock, 12 p.m. I hear you, Walden. Hi, Bill. Let me go get the gang. All right. Well, everything should be normal there for you. Okay. So you want me to turn it on, or how you want? Uh, uh you should. Are you're already on right okay. now? Don't don't say anything nasty. <laughs> Shut up, Bill. Santa Claus is listening too. All right. I'll go get the uh, gang. So, all right. Yeah. You're on the air, bud. Thanks, Bill. All right. Well, I'll check it and make sure you're there. All right. We'll. We'll, uh, we'll hang out till you get Gassman, back here. Unread messages. Larry Gassman. All right, well, let's, uh, let's just, send we need to do video, this. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta check this out and make sure that Walden and I are on the Blue Network. And, uh, let's see what, uh, let's see what the Red Network's calling right now. Should be regular programming. Oh, yeah, that's Ken Goff. And, uh, guess what you're gonna get you can get to hear now. You can get to hear me. Messages. Larry Gassman. Offline favorite. Active call select. Well, from FLO. I see Larry Gassman in there. Say something and wipe that smile off your face. Select favorites. Patricia Office phone number favorite favorite. Favorite. I need to do anything Patricia to make Office. that happen, Phone I wonder. Sammy Joe, Patricia Office, <clears throat> application, send, invite the printer, leaving oh, menus, content, loading job, can, okay, enter. I can't worry, might have gone to bed, so I'll You're my, back. Get Patricia and I. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Alden. Hello, we have Bill. Bill, could uh... Yeah, and I don't, um, um. Uh, Mr. Gassman tried to get in, and I I don't know if I did something wrong no, or what. No, I think I think he forgot to turn it on, so he probably went to bed. So that's no, he just came he just came in here. Yeah, I tried to get him. Let me walk one more time. All right. Hi, I'm gonna, hi there, darling. How you doing? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Just doing all the good. Oh, and, I'm and glad. you're just sounding you're just sounding so good these days. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I mean, you Most just, I mean, golly Moses. Escape. Oh, man, I'll You know, you're going the opposite direction I am. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm getting older, you're getting younger. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, if, if, if the way you sound has anything to do with it, I am right. Oh, you're so sweet, thank you, that makes me feel better. Yeah, well, do you think, um... Larry's gone to bed, so get Patricia and I tonight, so that's okay. Oh, well, who would want anything anymore? Aww. <laughs> you know? In fact, uh, probably Walden would appreciate it if I just go ahead and go to bed. Bill, you want to um, stay with us? I give you permission, but I figure Well, I'd like sure. to, but I've got to get back over there and uh, clean up uh, that show that Mike Handy and I tried to do. <laughs> <laughs> What show was that, Bill? The one we just got done doing. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. oh, I guess you weren't listening, were you? I, I wasn't. I was downstairs making stuff on my computer. What did well, I miss? Oh. That good. Huh? It's, they're, they're, it's too numerous for me to mention. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's and just too get, numerous. Everybody will get to hear the cleanup version on the blue on Friday. So that's that's right. There you go. 
Oh, I want to hear the messed up version. <laughs> no, huh? keep it, keep it up, and you will. <laughs> Be okay. careful what you ask for. Oh well, if everybody else heard it, I'm sorry I didn't. Yeah. Well, everything, uh, everything is looking good, and so I'm going to back out of here because I got some work to do. I got to clean up tonight's show. All right, Bill. Oh, Thanks for the when Kim wakes up in the morning, if it's not all fixed and and edited and right down to the second, woo me! Well, she gonna be mad if she she mad at me, and I got to get up early because I got to go. I got a doctor's appointment. Uh-oh. Uh, my doctor, my doctor got sick and postponed oh, my uh, appointment, and so uh, we re- he reset it. And guess when 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 it's gonna be? Ten o'clock in the morning. I don't and I got to do my hair. I got to do my <laughs> hair. And that's a big deal. I'm here to tell you. Oh, jeez. You're a piece of work. I ain't got to do my hair. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I'm going to shut my mic off and I'm going to go fix my hair tonight. That way I can sleep later in the morning. Way to go. All right. Okay. Well, good night. Carry on. Merry Christmas. Merry we Merry love you. Merry Christmas, Bill. Thank you. And keep up the good work. We We do have a caller, but. Hold on, caller. We're gonna put. We're gonna make it sound like a really professional. Cause Patricia and I are right up there being professional. Oh, Charlie Brown. There we go. It's Merry Christmas, everybody. It is Thursday night, uh, December the fourteenth. And hello, Edwin. How are you doing? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing very well. Can I do something to Edwin? Let's see. Here. How's everyone doing over there? Edwin. Yes. I'm doing. I'm doing fine. Good. It sounds like Albert's. Albert's. Uh, Albert. Listen to me. Uh, uh, Walden's little Charlie Brown isn't feeling too well. What's happening, Walden? Oh, he left us. I'm back. Oh, Bill. Yes. <laughs> I'm talking to so many people, and I lost Walden. Oh, you lost Walden. Oh, I thought yeah. you I thought you were upset that you had lost me. Oh, well, yeah, but you said you had to go. Right, right, but I thought maybe, you know, I thought maybe you'd have changed your mind and wanted me to come back or something. Well, of course. Carry on. Right. Good night. Good night, Bill. Yeah, yeah, Edwin said he heard us. Edwin, are you there? Hmm. Yeah, Edwin? Oh, dear. The trials and tribulations of Walden's board. Let's see here. Well, I hear you, Walden. Edwin? I heard him, too. I just heard him. I don't hear him over here. I'm trying to figure out why why I'm not hearing him. I don't know. Maybe because Uh, you you turned your volume up loud enough to blow my brains out. Patricia, you, so. you can hear me, Bill. Christmas and happy holidays. I can hear you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that uh, that kind uh, wish, and uh, happy holidays to you, my friend. And give uh, Kim a special Christmas. I don't know why I can't hear Edwin over here. Mm. I can hear Edwin. I can't. I can. Why don't you? Um, so I'll talk. It, all, all, the only thing you need to be fooling with, Walden, is the uh, channel 
that the phone comes in on, the call comes in on. So make sure that's go from the bottom to the top or the top to the bottom and make sure everything's didn't get uh, dusted. That might be the problem, huh? Yeah, that's that's got to be the problem. Guarantee it. So just run down, just run down that uh, one channel there, and I think you'll. I'm trying to clean it up and hit all those buttons. Walton's uh, buttons have been a catastrophe for the last few weeks. I'm so sorry. Uh, Caller, are you still there? Let's see. Uh, let's see if we uh, let me get you Edwin, to do a ten count. Edward, are you still there with us? Edward, give me a ten count, will you? Uh, ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh, I have an idea. There you go. All That's right. Perfect. You know what? I think and Walden, are you are you doing any better over there, Walden? You know what? I think I got. I think I got to short my headset. I'm gonna switch out head, head uh, cords. Edwin, oh, can you hear me? Oh my goodness! I <laughs> Edwin, can you hear me? Perfectly. Just don't ask oh. me to count from one to ten. I can do ten oh. to one, but not one to ten. <laughs> no, you're oh, fine. Boy. Tell me how you are doing and what your weather is like and all sorts of stuff like that there. Well, I'm doing fine, recovering from a bad, bad uh, cold, and uh, that lasted me a week, but uh, I I didn't feel sick at all. It's just, I think I uh, gave Kimberly Clark about a million dollars worth of money buying Kleenex and tissues, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm glad, I'm glad. What is your weather like up there? Uh, about uh, close to 30 degrees, but dry. Have you gotten any snow at all this week? Uh, just a powder. Just a powder. But the other side of Lake Michigan, Indiana and Michigan, uh, they, mm-hmm. they got a lot of snow, but we were spared. All right, so. I fixed my problem. I have a short in my headset, so I'm going to throw this cord away. No wonder. Now... <coughs> Hi, Edwin. How are you? Oh. I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. And you? Good. Thank you, Patricia, for carrying me and looking out, Bill. Oh, so, yeah. Okay, I'm going to throw this All right. You guys carry on. All You're right. sounding great. I'm going to throw this cord away because I don't need a cord I can't hear the callers on, you know? Yeah, and stay up uh-huh. close to that mic. You're off mic. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Bill. As if, as if you didn't have enough to do already. That's true. Nice catch, nice catch, uh, Walden. Absolutely nice catch. I mean, you 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 found out the problem and you fixed it. I mean, that's 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 why you're you do what you do because you're good. Can I barely pass the? You know, most most people would have thrown up their hands and said, "I don't, I don't, I give. Good night. See you tomorrow." I get passed the first grade, so hopefully next week I'll get to page two of grade two. So we'll find out. Keep it up, bud. Keep Bye. it up. We love y'all. Merry Christmas, Merry everybody. Christmas. Good night. Merry Christmas, Bill. Thank you. All right. So back to Patricia and Edwin. No show. Yes, sir. <laughs> I have a couple questions. Uh, okay, so what's up with you? Tell me why you called tonight. There's got to be a really great reason. Yes. Uh, one good reason is because I've been sick and in bed for the last two days, and I've been addicted to uh, probably close to 200 
episodes of Gunsmoke that you sent me a few years ago. Ah, okay. Oh, I love that show. And uh, I've been, uh, like I said, I, I've been in bad. And I've been listening to a lot of uh, uh, programs I have <coughs> that I haven't listened to. And I want to mm-hmm. find out, Walden, is L. Um, Lewis, Elliot Lewis, or were they two different people? Uh, Elliot Lewis and who with the other person? Elliot. Elliot Lewis. Elliot Lewis and, and Elliot? I mean, uh, I think they're both the same person. Oh, okay, spell, because... Spell the second I, one, Edwin. You know how they, how they spell their name? Well, I mean, when when I say Elliot Lewis, I'm referring to Remley. Right. The film, right. the Alice show. And then um, I hear uh, productions from L, E.L. Lewis, L. Lewis. Um, okay. Uh, there was an L. Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, who, was the, who was the producer director of um, Armist Books. But... There, but she, there was always some time you had Elliot Lewis, and sometimes he would do a, brief, a different combination of his first name. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, remember there was, there was a suspense show with him and Judy Garland, where she's a car hop, and he tries to push her off the mountain, and they use a different um, a, a derivative of Elliot. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think what would be a, der- a derivative. I, I don't can't think of it at the moment, but but no, generally it would be uh, that would be because he was a a writer for a lot of suspense shows in the forties, right? And then he, then he wound up being uh, the producer for a lot of crime shows in the fifties, and so most likely what you're hearing is it's the same person. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I would say Patricia's one of his biggest fans, aren't you, Patricia? Oh, yeah. yeah. Except he couldn't write. <laughs> he couldn't write a mystery. He could write everything else. Gosh, he was a great playwright. Um, but his mysteries, detective stories, were not all that great. Why do you think that might be? Why do I think that might be? Maybe he wasn't really passionate about it, so he didn't spend the... It didn't have the, would, the, 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 the magic. Cause, I mean, we knew he could write. It, yeah, it just wasn't his field. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was good at drama. He was good at comedy. But when it came to detective fiction, I don't, I don't recall ever hearing anything by him or with him in that genre. Wouldn't you consider uh, his role as a Friday? His his role is what? Taking Edward. Yeah, his role is uh, um, his name was Friday, and he had a couple uh, assistants. Uh, I'm trying to think of the series. Well, there was a, there was a series he was. His name was Captain Friday. Maybe? Yes, yes, that was Adventures by Morse. Yes, and and you can hear Elliot Lewis playing the lead in that. Um, Would that be considered a detective role? 
Not in the novel context, I don't think. A lot of times they call that blood and thunder. And I never have heard that term until recently. And I think I think a lot of that is what considered adventure shows and things like that. Um, but I think what... Some of, some of them were more fantasy than anything else. That's true. And I would think what Patricia's talking about is the detective genre. It's sort of the gumshoe approach. Yeah, he had a character for... Not, he, he, I guess he contracted with the publisher to produce nine books. I believe, I believe the main character was Bennett. He was the detective. And um, I got through the first one, and I thought, well, that was, a, that was his first run at it. And I got halfway through the second, and I said, this really wasn't for him. <laughs> this, was not, this was not the right outlet for his creative energies. Why those be, be eligible for uh, uh, your series of the worst programs? <laughs> oh, these were novels. They they were not um, radio oh, broadcasts. Okay. They were actual okay. uh, actual novels that he had written, and oh. it um, I don't know. His characters were pretty good, but the the story just didn't evolve well. Mm-hmm. And then when he got to oh. the end, it it, it read like. He had to get through the last 10 pages because he was so sick of writing. That was what what should have been 30 pages took 10. Well, My opinion I, only. I, th- I, th- I think Elliot Lewis was so talented that we can definitely forgive him if he didn't aspire that's what, to... That's what I said ever. to Walden. He was, he was so great in every other area that he, he ventured into. And I could forgive him for missing out on one. Definitely. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, I was really surprised when John Wilder, who will eventually have a horror show, who well-known writing a lot of detective stuff on television and things, every day he reads the beginning of any script to, to the point where he's at. And I got thinking... Just that approach alone would eat up time. You know, I mean, if you're starting at page one and you're up to read page up to 50 or 100 or whatever your novel, that that approach to me would take forever to get a script out. Wouldn't you agree, Patricia? I'm I'm not quite sure I followed you on what you were saying. If if you're talking about leading in and getting to the mystery. Right. For, for 50 example, pages? For, for example, John Wilder, every day, the first thing he does, he rereads his entire script that he's working on. I, I need to ask him about that because he'd spend his entire, by the time he got down to the the last quarter of the book, he'd spend three quarters of his time reading. That's what I mean, but that's his approach. Unbelievable. I would I would read the previous chapter, not the entire book. He, I would wait until last to do that when you know when I was coming to the end I would certainly go back and make sure that what I was going to wind up with was complementary to what I started out with but anyway um, with with the novel um, you better be in action in the first page yeah well and I'm thinking with his with his writing for TV scripts and film scripts Mm-hmm. I can see that. I, I don't know what the average length of a TV script or film script is. Is it, is it still about 
a page per minute. I don't I don't know the rules the rules of thumb in those genres, but a, a page per minute for what? Of dialogue. A page per a minute. minute. Yeah. In other words, if he wrote one page of dialogue, it would take it would take the actor to about one minute to perform it. Yeah. I don't know. I never measured it. Hmm. Well, when you write your first detective book, we'll find out. Yeah, and I'm thinking back. I I scripted and I scripted um, a golf. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> a golf film. And gee whiz. All I had to do was keep track of the time. I don't know. That's really interesting. No. I do not know. Did you like to write, Edwin? Have you ever tried to write? Uh, no, I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I write really good letters. I'm, I'm a researcher, mm-hmm. not a writer. And uh, I, I've attempted to write, but when I read what I write, it seems like I'm a plagiarizer, not a writer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, like I'm writing what I just read. So that that. You, Patricia, when you're writing, do you feel mm. wiped out after the first draft? At least I do. Like I feel. Do I? Feel, I, I like I pour would my. Would you Would you ask that again? You You're sounding kind of in an echo chamber on me here. Um, just ask it again, please. When you're writing a first draft of any uh-huh. project, right? Do you feel wiped out after the first draft is done? At least I do. My finish <laughs> is the end because I edit as I go. Mm-hmm. So I never move to paragraph two unless paragraph one is perfect. I don't move on to sentence three unless sentence two was good. So. By the time I get to the end, yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not wiped out. I'm just very happy that I finished it. But I, I write differently from the average bear. And I had this discussion with someone this afternoon because we were talking about writing and I was sharing with a friend of mine, hey, I'm, I'm getting uh, a little inhibited about writing now because... With the internet now, I'm beginning to question my own spelling skills. Oh, isn't that awful? It's awful. I was an award-winning speller. I can't spell anymore because I've yeah. seen words mis- misspelled so many times. I'm all mixed up. Well, it's because I'm spelling correctly because I'm an excellent speller. But mm-hmm. other people are spelling differently and... I came across an example the other day. Um, everyone should know how to spell fruit loop cereal, but it is not F R U I T L U L O O P S. It's F R O O T. Right. And and now because of uh, websites, people might have to change a letter, and I find myself. Asking people, you need to spell that for me. And it's not that I'm an ignoramus and can't spell. It's that people, 
you might want breadshop.com, and they might spell it B-R-E-E-D. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's an interesting phenomenon that's occurring. When I was work- yeah, when I was working with businesses, it used to drive me crazy that they wanted to be so creative with their business name. Mm-hmm. I had one at Country Kitchen, K-O-U-N-T-R-Y, K-I-T-C-H-E-N, it, it, because it looked cute. I said, well, when people are looking up Country Kitchen, where do you think they're going to look? And he said, C. I said, right. Is that the name of your business? No. You know, they exactly. they don't use a whole lot of com- common sense, yeah. Yes. yes. It must be brutal, somebody coming in from another country. It must be absolutely brutal to see this kind of stuff and the misspellings in general on the Internet. How awful well, for I, them. I'm, I'm assuming it's happening in their language also. Mhm. Yeah. I would think so. I'm not. I, I would I'm not in. Yeah. In German or French, because yeah. there's only so much uh, real estate when you're referring to uh, website addresses. Mhm. Uh, I'm assuming every. I'm assuming the whole world is going through that. English. Yeah. Spanish. Well, I know for Spanish it is. I've been checking out some Spanish uh, website addresses and. We're definitely doing that. Hmm. Oh, well. Oh, oh, well. Well, we know what Patricia's ability in French is, and that that helps her in her (laughs) French writing. In in French? (laughs) (laughs) I thought of the word cheese the other day. (laughs) I can do a couple of words. More than I can. I never took French. Edwin, you probably did, know more French words than I do, and I did take French. Edwin, did, did you have to take a foreign language when you were in college? I did. Well, when I was in high school? school. Yes, I did. So is it, she, it, I'm, did, native, I'm a native Spanish speaker. So my question is, this is a trap, this is a trick question. Yes. Did you take the easy way out? I thought I did. Well, no, no, no. I have to retract that because I'm a native a Spanish speaker. And that's what I mean. So did you take Spanish as a, foreign, as a foreign language? No, I took German. Okay, so you did not take the easy way out. You took a new way. Because see, what I'm wondering, could you speak? I did. You speak? I, took German. I took German as a foreign language and got A's in German. So if, let's say if you, were, if you were in high school and took Spanish. Would they say? Would they have called foul on you, saying, "Hey, you've always speak it anyway"? Uh, well, I just wanted to mention that I took German and got A's in German. I took Spanish and I got D's. <laughs> you, you, you're joshing me. What happened? No, no that's the that's reality. A hoot. Because so you I, you knew I, conversational I, Spanish. Did you miss out on the uh, pure grammatical? Spanish? Totally, totally, and I didn't even study. I thought, I, I, I thought I knew Spanish. Yeah. And surprise, surprise, I aced my German classes and and pretty much failed my Spanish classes. Danced, danced on the fringe on that one. I, I have to tell you, I'm not surprised though, because we tend to lapse into conversational languages. 
and we don't know about the construction of the sentences, and the sentences are not typically constructed properly. So I'm, I'm not at all surprised that you had a hard time with your native language. Well, English is a lot closer to German than uh, it is to Spanish. Yes. And um, I, I really did good, and I enjoyed it. And um, I close, I came very close to getting F's in Spanish, but it was primarily because of just thinking that since I spoke it, I knew it, and boy, that mm-hmm. was... That was very erroneous, and I finished my undergrad in Puerto Rico, uh, University of Puerto Rico, and when I went there, I really, really realized that (laughs) my Spanish was horrible. I was speaking what we jokingly refer to as Spanglish, which is just a mixture of... uh, uh, of Spanish and English. Yeah. Hmm. And oh, <laughs> you poor guy. Yeah, that must have yeah. really shook you up that when was, you when you saw your first grade and it wasn't a good one. Oh yes, yes, it was. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And so now I'm having the same similar feelings about. When I get on the internet and and when I'm writing, I'm questioning myself. Wow, am I spelling correctly? Mm. And, and I know I know knife has a K. So would would it be would I be considered a, an idiot if I spelled it N I F E? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, phonetics don't fly in classrooms. Yeah. That's that's yeah that that's very interesting. I call that discrimination. Mm. Oh really? <laughs> I'll meet you in court when they throw you out. I'll make sure I'm there to catch you. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off. Oh yeah, another, another opportunity, but I do have a Christmas request. Please do. Um, if you guys get a chance. Could you play Art Carney's uh, Night Before Christmas? Okay, it, I will. See, I don't have a handy on my computer, but once I do, I'll, I think I know where it's at. So once I do, I will play it for you. Awesome. So it might be, it might be, it might be a day or so, but we'll, it'll, I'll, be, I'll be listening. Okay, we'll do that. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Edwin. Bye, bye. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Nice to have a headset cord that working right. So, yeah, you're you're way loud, uh, way low. Are you outside your microphone now? No, I just have to turn myself way down for you. Yeah, um, I just got a note from Tom in New York that you are too low. I am a little low. Charlie Brown was good, <laughs> but but you're low out there. Okay. Well, I can. I guess. I get pumped it up for Tom, so there. So we're, we're good. Okay. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life. You sound too low to me, too. No. That can't be. Yeah. That can't be. It can't it be. It is. No. It can't Honest be. to goodness. Oh, no. It really can't oh. be. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Testing one, two, three. There you go. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. <laughs> 
and maybe Tom will be able to hear you. So your, your outgo is not as good as your in-go. That's true. 714-545-2071. It's, it's, it's amazing how this and thing now, is. And now you're leaning into your microphone, aren't you? A little bit. Okay. I'm sorry. What was interesting? I interrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn myself down. For you, my dear. How's that? Just a teeny bit, yeah. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Seven. Okay. Anyway. As long as you stay in the same position. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. What? For people, what, 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 what? For people who may or may not know why levels are so interesting, you got so many different factors involved, and I only control parts of them. Uh, for example, every phone line, phone call comes in, has a different level, just the way they route it. If it comes over the Alaska or over the North Pole or direct across, so those are variables, and that's why I have to adjust every phone call sometime. And then, so if I set them here, and then we send it through the computer to Bill, then Bill has levels and things he turns up and down in Texas, which I don't know sometimes. Sometimes Kim turns it up, sometimes to turn it down. They, they look at the colors. They want us in green a lot. And so they might turn us up or down, and then that goes out to you, and then you have your own levels on your computer. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Got it. Yeah. So we do the best we can. So I appreciate everybody's help with that. Yeah. <laughs> By the time... By the time we get everything set perfectly, and I say, oh, that's great, and somebody sends an email and says, oh, that's better, and then we get a caller, and everything is fine, then we say goodnight. <laughs> uh, anyway, tomorrow, uh, Joe Webb, hmm. Dr. Joe Webb is going to join John, Larry, and I because he, I think, eventually going to work on a process on Casey Crime Photographers. You're a fan Ooh. of that series. He just wrote a book on suspense, and now he's been working on research material on Casey Crime Photographer. So he, uh, so that will be our topic for the evening tomorrow. And Patricia and I will be hunkering down, holding down the fort Saturday night like we do. And, you know, Patricia will have stuff for us like she does tonight. And yeah, I got stuff. All right. So you want to go over stuff? I can go over stuff. You Do you have anything to say first? Uh, we had a really super Lion Club dinner. We had ham. And my mom made her famous marshmallow pineapple salad. Oh, you like that so oh, much. Oh, yeah. And then that we, is, yeah. We had white elephant prizes tonight. Uh-huh. So this is my eighth year as Lion Club president. And traditionally, the president of our club gets a big stuffed animal, a big stuffed lion. Oh. And so he's been in our sheds. And it's not small. This is, you know, one of the big ones. So we had to find a special box. So we put him in a special box. So so uh, somebody picked it up tonight. So we're going to donate him part of our toy drive this year. That way, uh-huh. a, little, a little kid gets to play with a, a big lion, you know, that's... 10 feet tall, you know. Aww. <laughs> you won't gobble him up, Willie. Oh, it's so big. I don't, you know, you know, just hopefully he can get through the front door at somebody's house. Yeah. You know, one of those. 
My grandmother had a doll for me. Uh, We went to visit her one time, and she had a doll for me. (laughs) Later in my grown-up years, I found out how she got the doll. Mm -hmm. They were at a carnival, and she made my grandfather keep taking chances on something and keep throwing balls or ring the bottles. I don't know what he had to do. He said he must have spent $50 to get that doll. <laughs> but she was so happy that she got it. It was a Dutch doll. And she had a little um, Dutch cap and shoes, and it was as big as I was. I was that small wow. when I got it, and the doll was as big as I was. I couldn't carry her. But <laughs> you, you made me think of that when you, when you wow. talked about um, the biggie there. That's a great story. It wasn't big. It wasn't bigger than you, though. (laughs) Okay, I have a question for you. Yes. Last year, last year, Christmas expenditures, people were going to spend in excess of $1 trillion. A trillion dollars. I I can't count that high. How many zeros is that? Is that nine? Uh, A million Um, million is six zeros. Uh, Three. That might be nine zeros. Yeah, so that's a lot. I think it's probably eight zeros. Okay. Let me see. <laughs> nine trillion. I don't know if my computer can do this. Um, nine trillion. Okay. Oh, one trillion. We <laughs> want nine trillion. One trillion. Zero, zero, zero. Mm-hmm. No, that's a billion I'm thinking of. A hundred million, then the next one's a billion. A trillion is bigger than that, so it's probably like 12 or 13 zeros or something. Some Zero. So that's hundreds, and that's thousands, and that's millions, and the next one is up is trillions. So there's three, six, nine, nine zeros. That's a lot of zeros. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when you have to stop and use a calculator to find out how many zeros, you know that's a lot of money. Yeah. So anyway, yes, last year was over $1 trillion. Now, this year, tell me how much money you think people, as average adult, is going to spend on Christmas gifts. I've seen numbers in the past by by, by person. I can't give you that number. Like, you know, so many dollars per person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the, the average adult will spend X number of dollars. Is that what you're talking about? Uh Uh-huh. I think, okay, yeah. I, I think it's mm-hmm. around $700. How about $893 for this year? I'm sorry, $983 for this year. Martin Graham. Once, wow, that's amazing. So almost a One site said over 1000 I can't imagine that. I should be able to, though, shouldn't I? That's a good imagination figure, you know. Phew. Yeah. I could do a lot of imagining for nine hundred and eighty three dollars. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Another, okay. Another interesting hmm? thing Martin Grandpa told me, he's been watching it. It didn't happen last year, but he expect it will happen this Christmas season. And it, he thinks it'll be an all time first. You wanna guess what it might be? That's never happened before until maybe this Christmas. No, I don't. I I wouldn't have a think, any way of. Hmm. He, he thinks this will be the first year that online sales will outstrip store sales. Oh, they already outstripped them on um, Black Friday, I believe. 
Yeah, so he thinks... So, yeah, I don't... That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, he thinks this is going to be the first overall Christmas season that the online sales will outstrip. Yeah. Sales. Yeah. No, I, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that would be it. Yeah. Okay, so let me see what else I have here. I've got some Hanukkah stuff. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Hanukkah started on Tuesday, so you are into your third day of Hanukkah. It means you have five more to go. And I just up, really exciting. And mm-hmm. I just uploaded here this week or our interview with uh, with Cantor Cantor Prosnitz. Yeah, it's up on SoundCloud. So if you want, oh to hear, great! So if you want to hear that, you can go to SoundCloud.com. Type in Wong Shoes and Patricia from Florida. Or go to iTunes or Google Music or Skechter or tune in. And I think we have over 250 podcasts now. And Or you can send me an email and I'll send you the link. You know? So there you go. Go to FloridaWriter at Hotmail.com. And that way Patricia can help you out. And so there's a lot of good stuff. We have a lot of Patricia Christmas stuff up there and more stuff is going up. You know, her interview with Humbug Arizona and all those favorites. <laughs> that was so much fun. Oh, yeah. I hope we can get him back again. Yeah. I tried the number a while back and I believe it was out of service. But I can I still have it, so maybe I could give him a ringy dingy. Yeah, or maybe maybe uh I think you found it on the web, if I remember, or, or something. Mm-hmm. If I remember or something. Correct. Maybe you I want did to verify that. That way. I too. will do that. Yeah. I will do that. I'm, yeah, my big computer isn't hooked up yet, but all that stuff is over there on the other one. Okay. So we can we can do it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what a dreidel is? Cantor Prasnitz. Yeah, it's a I, I, it's a toy, and I don't exactly mm-hmm. remember. He described it. I think it's yes, it's it's, in your it's hand. spinning top. It's That's a spinning right. top. Right. So I don't know. I have. Did you ever play with a spinning top? Yep, I did as a kid. I okay, yeah. okay. This one, the dreidel has four sides. So when it falls down, one side is is up, and depending on what is up, you have to do or not do. So, and I'm assuming it's the spinner that has this. The the um, symbol for nun, N-U-N, means nothing. So nothing happens. Gimel is the word for all. Take everything in the pot. So you spin and hope that you get gimel and you, you get all the goodies in the pot. Hay means half. There's a side that has hay. And you get to take half of the pot because the word means hay. And shin is the fourth side, and that means put in. So if the fourth side comes up, you have to put a coin into the pot. And that's what Cantor Prosnitz was talking about the last time we talked with him, about playing, playing the dreidel with his kids, but they play for pennies. <laughs> it's not big-time stuff. They play for pennies. And the adults get in that game as well, so that's kind of fun. There was an article that came across my email inbox today showing mm-hmm. the... the pictures of the second oldest synagogue in America and that oh. is next to it the cemetery. Um, and so I don't know what my guess would be up in the northeast, but I, I don't know, that's probably something we could Google. But it's just uh, it's amazing how old some of our, our 
building her worship art, you know, in, in America. Mm -hmm. Some of them have been around for such a long time. Which is good yeah. You know, there's um there's a website and it's an organization. It, it's a a worldwide religion, mm -hmm. um, Jewish religion, the, the um, Orthodox, and it's called. I know I'm going to mispronounce this. Chabad, C H A B A D. Right. org, and on their website they will help people find um, a seder of. Uh, you know, a um, mm -hmm. Hanukkah celebration, a particular synagogue, and they'll do that for anywhere in the world. You put in your zip code or other identifying feature, and up pops a list of the nearest um, synagogues or celebrations that are going to be near you. And I, I just think that is such a, a nifty, nifty um, service for people. Mm -hmm. So it's Chabad, C-H-A-B-A-D dot O-R-G, and um, it's full of great information and stories and all sorts of neat things like that. So that's that's number seventy-eight. Okay, <laughs> I can do a database. Do a database for something like that just must be humongous. Now, I would think so. Yeah, and it's a, it's it's worldwide. Um, so now, I don't. That's yeah, another, but this is this is the main the main the main stop on the train. <laughs> Yes, I don't know how else to put it. Now, see, my mom would get all over me on the, the use of my word. She would say the use no of humongous. There's no word such as humongous. There isn't. But it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds good. We can we can deal with that. Well, okay, what else have I got here? I know I've got some questions for you. Oh, and I've got children's toys. I had this tucked away in my folder from a million years ago. Christmas toys for kids. Mm. Are you ready? I'm ready. One of the most popular toys in the 30s, I mean, back up here, in the 1930s was an Amos and Andy taxi. It was a little toy taxi, and it was 95 cents. Isn't that cute? That's amazing. I, I wonder okay. if that's some of the ones that are collectible that... Um, I, I know some people bid over a thousand dollars for those for those Amos and Eddie taxi cabs. Yeah. I don't. Uh, hold on just a minute. Do you need help over there? This is just the USA. I'm Wong Hughes, along with Patricia, and uh, we're. Well, you, you could. It's a Thursday well, night, and so we're doing okay, everybody. Somebody fell. I'm sorry. What? I'm. I was. Um. No. You want to go? You want to go help out? No, they're they're there. Okay. It's okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I just uh, they're slow pokes. That's okay. Anyway, That's what you, yeah, you it's, need to, you, no, it's you, okay. You need to do the ghost scout deed once a day, so. so. Yeah, I know it's it's fine. They took it away from me. Well, I can't do that. So you were talking about the collectibles with the Amos and Andy. Yes, Amos and Andy. Taxi cab toy. I think some of them go for over a thousand dollars. It's amazing. I'm not. I would not be surprised at all. Again, we had a world full of mothers who threw stuff out, and that's why so many of these things are so rare. But, oh, my goodness. Okay, the next one. Uh, we have a flossy flirt doll. I don't know what a flossy flirt I doll is. No but she, 
I don't. It's just a doll with a pretty little dress and a bow in her hair and curly hair. I have no idea if she's cuddly, but 22 and a half inch doll. That's a pretty sizable doll. That's almost two feet tall. Was four dollars and sixty nine cents, and she came dressed. Wow. The smaller sizes, let's see, ranged from 12 inch. The 12 inch doll was a dollar ninety five. I want the first really specialty doll that ever came out with the Mama Talking Dolls. That's yeah. interesting. I think it probably was. Because yeah. it was so hot. Mm-hmm. Then we had a Lionel electric train set. Let's see. Uh, it had 36 inches long with 8.5 inch reversing locomotive and working headlights, three Pullman cars, track forms of an oval of 50 inches by 30 inches. That's not very big. You buy extra tracks. Um, cobalt, a Colt battery, ACDC, a transformer. Um, that's a pretty decent set. What do you say? Oh, yeah. I would say that's a probably a Eleven, $300 item would be my guess. $11.98. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Now, that was in the 1940s, I believe. Yeah. We were up into the 1940s with that. So let's see what else we have here. Oh, a Max Climber tractor. It was a wind-up tractor. It had wheels just like a regular tractor and the heavy tread um, belts that went around the, the wheels. Now, one place it says $1.29, the other place says $0.59. Cents. So I think it was probably $0.59 cents on stale as a lost leader to get people into a store. But it, it actually would climb up over things. And for 59 cents, that's one heck of a buy. A stick horse. Do you know what a stick horse uh-huh. is? I had some of it's those. Like, yeah, you, did you? Yeah, holding your hand, and the, horse is on, the head of the horse is on the stick, and you can pretend that you're riding the horse by you know, holding exactly. the stick. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this one has wheels in the back, so you didn't drag a stick across the floor. Uh-huh. It, was, it was 39 cents. With the horse's head and the rain and everything. Uh, Lincoln logs. We have 53 logs. 53 logs. How much do you think? A penny a log, maybe 50 cents. 89 cents. You aren't far off. Wow. Not far off at all. Let's see. Got a snow sled, 40 inches. That's about three and a half feet. Five dollars. Dollar 25. These are remarkable prices. I know, I know. And then we have a Texas Ranger cowboy suit for four forty nine, mm-hmm. and an Erector construction set. Let me see what we've got here. It includes a hundred and ten volt motor <laughs> when building trains and cars. Uh, set includes gears, wheels, girders, and much more. And that was eight dollars and seventy nine cents. I wonder how much a bicycle cost in the forties. Let me see if I have a bicycle here. Mm, 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 mm. Don't go away. Because I think for every kid's Christmas Mm -hmm. or birthday, having a bicycle is such a big deal. Oh, it is. I have a Shirley Temple doll. Okay. Would you like Shirley in in the meantime while I'm looking for the bicycle? Yes, I would love to know. Shirley Shirley was $1.98. She came with rolling eyes, and she had curlers for her hair. <laughs> she was dressed in a pretty little dress. Let me see. Blackbird, Gilbert, electric train set. Um, 
bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. Tiddlywinks, 62 cents. Oh, now, if that's the thing that you have to look, you, um, You, you make it jump, right? You, you make it. You can make it jump by putting this little mm -hmm. device and hitting it, and, and do it'll jump up and down. Or yes, there's it, a cup in the center, right. and you you have a large chip in your hand, and you press down on the outside of the smaller chip, and it goes snap, and it'll hop up and spin through the air. So you have to learn how to get it into the cup. And I the wonder, cup isn't terribly far away. But I, I wonder why they came up with the name Tiggy Wink. It's a great name. It is, and I don't know. Yeah. I am so sorry. Uh, nope. 1936. Okay, we've got... Uh, this is good. This is good. 1949, how much was the average car? Uh, I think about $3,000. It was $1,650, which wow. makes Shirley Temple look pretty good. Yeah, I mean, really, when you go back and think about those toys, you know, a twenty-dollar toy and your and your car was sixteen fifty. Let's see, your average annual salary. This My is still fourteen nineteen forty-nine. Yeah, forty-nine. My dad said he remembers a guy if he made five thousand a year in the late forties was making really big bucks. Uh, so my guess the average salary might be fifteen hundred. 3600 in 1949. Wow. Like your car is also 1650, so that's more than one-third of your salary. Um, okay, the uh, bread. How much was, was a loaf of bread? 10 cents. 1949. 10 cents. 14 cents. We were up to 14 cents. Um, and a postage stamp. Three. Everything was three. <laughs> Everything was three every time. I, I wondered if you remembered that. <laughs> I for, you look up one year, for one year, it was like 35 years in a row or something. Always oh, it was some e enormous number. Uh, let's see, 2 million sets in the U.S. Okay, Captain Video. Okay, 1936. How much do you think you pay for a new car? Uh, $600. That's exactly right, right on the button. Wow. How much was gasoline? Three cents. 19 cents. So you've got a $600 car and a 19 cents per gallon. I don't know how, what kind of mileage they got in cars that old. I, I remember somebody played a 1934 Jack Benny radio show, and they were selling mm -hmm. cars for $450, so that sort of helped me. My dad remembers during the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. A used Model A. How much do you think? I think it was no, my might been a Model T. Guess how a much used Model T during the Depression. Yeah, how much do you think it, you could have got it for? It it wasn't very much no. because the Okies were selling just to get out, yeah. and they couldn't even sell. I will say sixty dollars. Yeah, I remember them going for five dollars. I, you know, I was thinking five dollars, yeah. and I could. Where would I have gotten that number from? Yeah, that's what the Okies were selling them for. Yeah. Mm. Hard, hard times. Yeah. Hard times. Uh, people just went through such horrific experiences, and kids growing up at that time. I mean, gee whiz, wow. Okay, 1936. We're still in 1936. How much was the postage stamp? 
Well, let's take a let's take a really big shot on this. That's a big that's a that's a keg, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Three cents. Yes, exactly. Three cents and milk was twelve cents a quart. You had to buy it by the gallon, I guess. Forty-eight cents a gallon. Oh, you must have been able to buy a quart. Must have. Must have. Uh huh. Okay. Five foot Christmas tree in 1941. This is a live Christmas tree to bring home to decorate. Five foot Christmas tree. How much do you think? Four ninety-five. Seventy-five cents. That's when that was before we cleared yeah. all of our forests, I guess. <laughs> Gee whiz. Okay, let's see. Shortage of materials like aluminum used to produce ornaments. People made their ornaments at home. Magazine contained patterns for ornaments. I did not know that. And they were made out of non-priority war materials like paper, string, and natural objects like pine cones or nuts. We've got lots of nuts, don't we? <laughs> Pine cones. So that was really nice. Electric bubble lights were created during the 1940s, and I know your mom still likes yeah. them. Yep, yep. Mm, and you helped me, you help me find some on Amazon, so I thank you. Uh-huh. I remember. I remember. Um, let's see. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Travel during the holidays was limited for most families due to rationing of tires and gasoline. Americans saved up their food ration stamps to provide extra food for a fine holiday meal. Now, I'm saying ration, and I always used to say ration. And Bob in Wisconsin taught me ration, and I have been thinking about him all week. Where is he? I guess we'll have to put a hoot out, send him an email. I, I, get, I get email from him. Like group oh, email. you do? Yeah. Okay. I get, like, when somebody sends a blast. He'll forward it out to a bunch of people, so I get those types of emails. So. Oh, good. Okay, then he's okay. Yeah, I'll so pop him a note. Pop him a note. I will tell him we need yeah. to hear from this Saturday. Yeah, gee willikers and stuff like that. There. Um, let's see, Miss. Oh, the Corning Glass Company in New York began mass producing Christmas tree balls, the decorations using machines designed to produce light bulbs. Corning could make more ornaments in a single minute than a German cottage glass blower could make in a whole day. They could do in one minute more than what they could do, the glass blower could do in Germany. And of course, during the war, we were not allowed to import anything from Germany, and that's where all of our glass lights, our glass bulbs for the tree came from. So, and the average uh, their stock market hit and danced around 180. That's 180. What is it now? 24,000 or some crazy thing? It is over 24,000. Let me see. I, I remember in, in around 81 or 82, it was 700, point, 700 or something. You know. Uh huh. Yeah, it's 24,508 today. It closed. It's gone up a little bit. Since. Uh. Just a little bit. And, you know, what scares me half to death here is that we are moving into, and this is my opinion only, we are moving into and have probably been in the artificial bubble um, that we saw before the, yeah. the stock market crashed in uh, 2007 yeah. and eight. Yeah. So I'm, I, I've been kind of dancing on pins and needles here waiting for it to start to come down. And when it does, I hope it comes down slowly. 
But if people decide to sell all at once, we're going to be in doo-doo. The end. Well, the end. It's almost 1 o'clock. You want to get ready for Saturday? And I'll talk to you Saturday. Oh, already? I'm having such a good time. I know, I know. (laughs) Sure. And I am to be back here on Saturday, not Friday, right? Saturday, yes. Saturday, okay. I'm giving you Friday off because we have a guest, so I'm going to give you tomorrow Mm -hmm. off. Okay. I'm going to have... Yeah. mm -hmm. I'm going to have a Subway sandwich tomorrow. Oh, perfect. Oh, yes. One of my one of my um, other residents, my other resident, one of the other residents here goes to the hospital next door. The hospital is right next door to us, and they've got a huge cafeteria. So every once in a while he wants to go over and get a salad, and he told me that there was a Subway sandwich over there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, next time you go over, let me know. So he's going over tomorrow, and I'm going to have a Subway sandwich. Yay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Oh, I haven't had one of them in years. It's been a while. It has been. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the time when you lost one out in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have remembered that. I had gone shopping and stopped in the Subway sandwich place next door to my supermarket, and I bought a really wonderful sandwich, and I got upstairs, and I put all the groceries away, and I said, Where's my sandwich? <laughs> I didn't have my sandwich. Uh, so I went downstairs. I found it. Did I tell you I found it? No. It was still in the car. It fell off my lap in the car. Okay, good. Good. So it wasn't rotten and nobody drove over okay. it. So I, <laughs> fortunately, a flat Subway sandwich. So, so tomorrow I will do a better job with my Subway sandwich, and I will have more stuff on Saturday. Saturday. So are you and maybe even your baseball questions. Yeah. If you want to help Patricia out this, in a couple of days with ideas or you just want to reach out to her, very simple. Florida Writer at Hotmail.com. That's F-L-O-R-I-D-A-W-R-I-T-E-R. And she is a writer who lives in Florida. All right. I thought that was such a clever name. It is a great one. Yeah. So, right, okay, I'm I will see you on Saturday. Saturday. And everybody in our family might want to show up, too, so we have some nice surprises. Good night, everybody. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Take care. All right. Now, Patricia, Jaws Professional Sound Forge Pro 11.0. Windows M, Desktop M, My Document Enter. Documents Item 4 C, Christmas Shows Full Enter, Shelf G, Great Gildersloves Folder. Halls of Ivy Fold G, Grand Central, Great Gildersloves 5512XXY, The Chimes Rang. Great Gildersloves 411221F017, Christmas Gift for Fibber McGee. Great Gildersloves 421220, Great Gildersloves 441224, F149, Twas the Great Gildersloves 451223, F190, Christmassy, Great Gildersloves 461218, F228, Larian's new motor scooter. Great Gildersloves 461224,
Great Gildersal of four seven one Great Gildersal of four eight one Great Gildersal of four eight one Great Gildersal of four nine one two Great Gildersal of four nine one Great Gildersal of five zero one two two zero at three hundred eighty five Christmas show. Unloading job OK enter Christmas shows full. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful Christmas season. Watch our listeners out there. Look after the needy, the homeless, the poor, the hungry, Lord. Bless the people who enjoy the station. Bless the people who work on it. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here's the great ghost week. Portions of the following program are transcribed. The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company. Kraft, you know, has been famous for years for bringing you the very finest foods, quality foods, the world's favorite varieties of cheese, America's choice in salad dressings, and many other wonderful things to eat. When you shop, look for the name Kraft. Remember, the name Kraft on any food is your guarantee of quality. crisp, cold night in Summerfield. Here and there, a lighted Christmas tree glows warmly in a window. Holly wreaths have begun to appear. The ground is white with new snow, and it's still falling. Big, fat flakes that cling to the porches and the trees and to the brim of the great Gildersleeve's hat as he hurries down his front steps. Makes a cautious turn as he reaches the sidewalk. and strides gaily up the street toward Catherine Milford's house. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la. La, 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 la. What? Wait for me! Where you going, Unc? Well, I'm dropping in at Miss Milford's for a while this evening. Can I walk with you? I'm going to Piggy's house. They're putting up that tree tonight. We're going to decorate it. Well, good. Don't stand on the furniture. You gonna help Nurse Milford decorate her tree? Yeah, you can't tell. We may string a few cranberries, drape the icicles around. What if Dr. Olson is there? Leroy, don't worry about Dr. Olson. Oh, I'm not. But you said he was a pain in the neck. You said he was always hanging around her house when you wanted to be there. Yeah, well, you weren't supposed to have heard that. But that used to be that way. How is it now? Yeah. Leroy, the nurse has decided she doesn't need a doctor as much as she needs a water commissioner. <laughs> the fact is, I haven't seen Dr. Clarence Olson in weeks. Gee, then you're winning, aren't you, You bet I'm winning. Golly, you gotta be smart to be the doctor, too. You said it. Gee, and you're my uncle. Yeah. Well, here's Piggy's house. See you later, Uncle. Yeah, see you later, Leroy. Yes, sir, there's a mighty fine boy. <laughs> Oh, 
Throckmorton. Hello, Catherine. Come on in. My, it's snowing out, isn't it? Yeah, just a little. Look at you. You have a big snowflake right on the end of your nose. Yeah, I do? Well, cold nose, warm heart. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take your coat. Yeah, thank you. Well, beautiful tree, Catherine. And Christmas presents. Are all those for me? No, but you can help me finish wrapping them. You're fine. Lots of presents. Well, Mother and I have lots of relatives. Yeah, sure. Then I couldn't forget those darling children down at the hospital. You? There are five of them that Santa Claus may not remember. Well, good for you, Catherine. Be a shame if any little kitties were forgotten on Christmas. Mm. Here, put your finger on this ribbon while I tie the knot, huh? Yeah, yeah all right. Interesting paper you're using, Catherine. Mistletoe design. <laughs> Just put the package over there. No, I think I'll balance it right on top of your head. Morton. You know what that means, mistletoe. Oh, <laughs> Aren't you rushing the season a little? You only three more shopping days. You better put the package down there by the tree. Uh, shucks. Say, here's a fancy-looking package. Oh, I think that's the one Mother's giving me. Oh, your mother couldn't wait, huh? <laughs> you let me shake this. I'll bet I can guess what's in it. Now, Throckmorton. Yep. Card fell off. Oh, dear. Well, isn't that just like your mother? To the dearest girl in the world, Clarence. Clarence! Throckmorton, give me the package. That one isn't for mother. No, I guess not. <laughs> Dr. Clarence Olson, the intern, huh? I thought he'd given up. Clarence has been on night duty at the hospital. Well, just so he hasn't been on night duty with my nurse. <laughs> well, he hasn't forgotten me. I can hardly wait to open his present. He always thinks of the most original things. Well, I haven't brought you my presents yet. I'm liable to think of something pretty original, too. Really? Give me a hint. A hint? Well... At the hospital, Clarence keeps teasing me about what's in this package. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. All he'll tell me is that it starts with a K for Catherine. Isn't that clever? Well, I guess there's a fine line between being clever and being corny. Morton. He's very ingenious. In fact, the mistletoe paper was his idea. It was? Mm -hmm. Well, it may have been his idea, but I was the first one who thought of holding it over your head. <laughs> I think. children. <laughs> you know, aren't you? What Christmas present can you think of that start with the letter K? K? Well, let me... Who's the present for, Uncle? A little kid we know spelled K-I-D? Hardly, Leroy. I was thinking about something for a young lady. Oh, you mean me. <laughs> we'll get around to you children later. You know, there's a present under Miss Milford's tree. It starts with a K. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Uh-huh. Leroy, what do you mean, ah-ha? It's Miss Milford's present from Dr. Olson, isn't it? Well, yes. Well, if it's from Dr. Olson, why do you want to know what it is, Unky? Well, I don't want to give her the same present, Marjorie. Yeah, I'd like to give her something a little better. Well, if it starts with a K, maybe it's a... a Kodak. No, no, it's a pretty big package. Canary? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
think it's anything alive, Leroy. And as I recall, canary doesn't start with a K. Like some hot coffee, Mr. Gill, please? Yeah, thank you, Bertie. Bertie, we're trying to think of some gift a woman would like, starting with a K. Any ideas, Bertie? Well, if it's for a woman, maybe it's something for the kitchen. Yeah, I can't think of anything but the kitchen that starts with a K. Except Kraft cheese. <laughs> well, I can't think of anything. Maybe it's kisses, Mr. Gillsleeve. Kisses? The candy type. You know, candy kisses, bastard paper. <laughs> Dr. Olson. I wish I'd have thought of giving her something starting with a K for Catherine. Let's see. K. K. Carrot? Could be giving her a diamond. You wouldn't dare. Kettle drums? Kilts? Yeah, you wouldn't give her those. She'd look cute in them, though. Well, good morning, Gilda. Well, the Honorable Judge Hooker. Good morning, Horace. You were walking along with a faraway look in your eye, dreaming of a white Christmas. You <laughs> <laughs> old goat. Yeah, I'm trying to get an idea about a Christmas present for Miss Milford, Horace. Oh? Well, I came down to hear the Craft Choral Club. They're going to sing around the community Christmas tree here in the square. Oh, yes. Well, let's get a little closer. You know, I've been so worried about Catherine's Christmas present, I almost forgot they were in town. They came all the way from Chicago, Gilda. Yeah, I know, Judge. See, there are a lot of them. You wonder who makes the cheese while they're on tour. Shh. About to sing. Ladies and gentlemen, at this Christmas season, it is our pleasure to present the Kraft Choral Club under the direction of Gerhard Schroeder. Gilda, they're magnificent. Yeah, they're great, all right, Horace. Great. 
Yeah, I think I'll try finding something for Catherine in a hurry and come back. I'll wait here, Gilday. In fact, I may go up and sing with them. You please, not that judge. They didn't come all the way from Chicago to find the lost discord. Now, Gilday. Wait a minute. They're going to sing again. It's beautiful. Nothing like the carols at this time of year. They warm the cockles of my heart and send the Yuletide spirit coursing through my veins. Great Gildersleeve continues his search for a Christmas present in just a moment. Again, this year, as the holiday season approaches, the makers of Kraft Quality Foods wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous New Year. During the year now drawing to a close, we have appreciated the confidence you have shown through your purchases in all the fine food products which your grocer has brought to you from Kraft. You may be sure that Kraft products will continue to merit your confidence in the future as they have in the past, and that the name Kraft on any label will continue to be your guide to the very finest in foods. Again, we say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to each one of you from all the men and women of Kraft. Now, back to the great Gildersleeve. a fancy Christmas package under the tree at Catherine Milford's house from Gildersleeve's rival, Dr. Olson. What's in it? That's what the water commissioner would like to know. You, whatever it is, I'll get her something better. He may have the edge on me at the hospital, but by George, I'll beat him under the Christmas tree. He'll go all out. Hello, Peavy. Well, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> what can I do for you this afternoon? Yeah, I'm looking for a Christmas present, Peavy. For a lady. Something extra special. A uh, gift for Miss Milford, is it? You bet. That sneaky Dr. Olson bought her something that looks pretty nice. But I'm going to go him one better. I'm going to get her something so beautiful and so clever, it'll make him look silly. My, my. <laughs> Any suggestions, Peavy? Well, what does she like? Has she dropped any hints? Not lately. 
All she talks about is those little kids she takes care of at the hospital. There must be something clever and original I could get for her, Phoebe. Now, how about a subscription to Look Magazine? <laughs> well... Or how about a nice set of scales? Women like to weigh themselves, you know. She can weigh herself at the hospital, Phoebe. Does she like sweetmeats? Sweetmeats? We have some very attractive boxes of candied prunes. Quite helpful, too. No, Phoebe. Well, how about some nice musical bath salts? No. Then a ballpoint pen? No. Mr. Gildersleeve, you're rather hard to please. Yo, first. Phoebe, I've got to get something different. Something original. Now, you've had plenty of experience at this Christmas thing. That's true. You've been buying Christmas presents for Mrs. Phoebe for 20 years. Yes, I have. Well, certainly after all that time, a man should know what it takes to please a woman. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can see you're going to be no help at all, Phoebe. I'm going over to Hogan Brothers. That's a good idea. Happy shopping, Mr. Gildersleeve. Happy shopping. these stores. Why does everybody wait till the last minute to buy presents? Oop, you watch that umbrella lady. Second floor, phonographs, radios, toys. Yeah, out on two, please. Yeah. You might get her a radio. No, everybody has a radio. I have to be more original than that if I'm going to beat that slick intern. Christmas won't mean a thing to me unless I outdo him. Well, cute toys up here. Is that you, Miss Gildersleeve? Well, hello, Bertie. What are you doing up here in the toys? Oh, I got a lot of little nieces and nephews I have to buy for. Oh, yeah. They don't have much, so when I show up every Christmas with my arms full of toys, they think I'm some pumpkin. You know, but they do, Bertie. Say, what if I showed up with an armful of toys for those kiddies at the hospital? The ones Miss Milford is so fond of. Them children would think you're some punkins, too, Miss Gillsleeve. Well, I guess they would. What's more, I'd be some punkins with Miss Milford, too. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you bet. Nothing I could do that would impress her more. Right, George, this is a great idea we had, Bertie. Click! Click! I want to buy some toys. <laughs> Dr. Olson can never top this. I'll walk in on Catherine, pass out these toys to her little kitties, and tell her this is my Christmas present to her. Ew, what can she say? Except that I'm the greatest guy in the world. And the kids will get a kick out of it, too. <laughs> Intern, turn in your suit. You're through. <laughs> yeah, this must be the ward. I see some children. Well, hello, little children. Hello. Hello. Uh, where's Miss Milford? She'll be back. She went to get our orange juice. Well, I'll just put these packages down and wait. Are you Santa Claus? Uh, me? No, he's not Santa Claus. He hasn't got a white beard. But he's nice and fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's not Santa Claus. 
Santa Claus never comes around here. Yeah, wait a minute, John Teller. Yeah, I'm sort of a Santa Claus. I brought all these presents to you children. For us? Honest and truly? Oh, boy! You see, Stuffy, he is Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, boy, I gotta come over and see him. Stuffy's lucky. He's in a wheelchair. Oh. Well, I'll bring the presents around to your little beds when Nurse Milford comes. I want to open mine. No, no, wait a minute, Stuffy. You shouldn't open presents until Christmas. I don't want to open mine until Christmas. I just want to dream about what's in them. Yeah, that's the idea, little girl. While we're waiting for Nurse Milford, will you read us a Christmas story? Christmas story? That's what she was doing. Yeah, they're in that book. Well, I like stories. I used to read them to my niece and nephew. Let's see what we have here. Yeah. Oh, Why the Chimes Rang by Raymond McDonald Alvin. I like that one. I don't know it. Well, I've been in the hospital longer than you have. <laughs> well, let's read it. We don't have much time. Once upon a time, in a faraway country, there was a wonderful church. It stood on a high hill in the midst of a great city. And every Sunday, as well as on sacred days like Christmas, thousands of people climbed the hill to its great archways, looking like lines of ants all moving in the same direction. They don't allow ants in the hospital. Stop interrupting, Stuffy. Yes, you must listen, Stuffy. Now, all the people knew that at the top of the tower was a chime of Christmas bells. They'd hung there ever since the church had been built and were the most beautiful bells in the world. Some described them as sounding like angels far up in the sky. Others as sounding like strange winds singing through the trees. But for many years, they had never been heard. Why didn't the bells ring? Well, we're coming to that. It was said that people have been growing less careful of their gifts for the Christ child, and that no offering was brought which was fine enough to deserve the music of the chimes. Every Christmas Eve, people still crowded to the altar, each one trying to bring some gift better than any other. Why'd they do that? Well, for personal reasons, I guess. They were trying to make a big impression. Oh. Now, where were we? Oh, yes. Now, a number of miles from the city, in a little country village, lived a boy named Pedro and his little brother. They'd heard of the service in the church on Christmas Eve and planned to go see the beautiful celebration. Nobody can guess, little brother, Pedro would say, all the fine things there are to see and hear. And I have even heard it said that the Christ child sometimes come down to bless the service. What if we could see him? The day before Christmas, Pedro and little brother were able to slip quietly away. And although the walking was hard in the frosty air, before nightfall, they had trudged so far, hand in hand, that they saw the lights of the big city just ahead of them. They were about to enter one of the great gates in the wall that surrounded it, when they saw something dark on the snow near their path and stepped aside to look at it. What was it? Well, let's see. And there, by the path, was a poor woman who had fallen in the snow, too sick and tired to get in where she might have found shelter. And Pedro knelt down beside her. You will have to go on alone, little brother, he said. Alone, cried little brother, but you will not see the Christmas festival. 
No, said Pedro. And he could not keep back a bit of a choking sound in his throat. See this poor woman. Her face looks like the Madonna in the chapel window. And she will freeze to death if nobody cares for her. But I cannot bear to leave you and go on alone, said little brother. Both of us need not miss the service, said Pedro. And it'd better be I than you. You can easily find your way to the church. And you must see and hear everything twice, little brother. Once for you, and once for me. And oh, if you get a chance, little brother, to slip up to the altar without getting in anyone's way, take this little silver piece of mine and lay it down for my offering when no one is looking. In this way, he hurried little brother off to the city and winked hard to keep back the tears as he heard the crunching footsteps sounding farther and farther away in the twilight. The great church was wonderful that night. When the organ played and the thousands of people sang, the walls shook with the sound. And little Pedro, way outside the city wall, felt the earth tremble around him. At the close of the service came the procession with the offerings to be laid on the altar. Rich men and great men marched proudly up to lay down their gifts to the Christ child. Some brought wonderful jewels. Some brought baskets of gold. But the chimes did not ring. And last of all came the king of the country, hoping with all the rest to win for himself the chime of the Christmas bells. There went a great murmur through the church. People saw the king take from his head the royal crown, all set with precious stones, and lay it gleaming on the altar as his offering to the holy child. Surely, everyone said, surely we shall hear the bells now, for nothing like this has ever happened before. But still, only the cold old wind was heard in the tower, and the people shook their heads, and some of them said, as they had said before, that they never really believed the story of the chimes and doubted if they ever rang at all. Suddenly, everyone looked at the old minister, who was standing by the altar, holding up his hand for silence. Not a sound could be heard from anyone in the church, but as all the people strained their ears to listen, there came softly, but distinctly, swinging through the air, the sound of the chimes in the tower. So far away, and yet so clear the music seemed. So much sweeter were the notes than anything that had been heard before, rising and falling away up there in the sky, that the people in the church sat for a moment, as still as though something held each of them by the shoulders. And then they all stood up together and stared straight at the altar to see what great gift had awakened the long silent bells. But all that the nearest of them saw was the childish figure of little brother who had crept softly down the aisle when no one was looking and had laid Pedro's little piece of silver on the altar. That was a wonderful story. Why did the bells ring when little brother laid the piece of silver on the altar? 
Well... Why didn't they ring when the great men brought jewels and things? Well, like the book said, each one was trying to bring some gift better than any other. Those men were trying to outdo each other. What little Pedro gave out of the goodness of his heart. He didn't have any ulterior motive. What's an ulterior motive? Well, I guess that's what I had when I came here. That's Miss Milford coming. It is? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll be going. Aren't you going to wait and see our nurse? Where are you going, mister? Well, I, I think I'll sneak out this side door. But, but how does she know who brought the presents? Well, that's not important anymore. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'll tiptoe down the back stairs. Well, five o'clock. I didn't know the hospital had chimes. Christmas, everyone. Portions of the preceding program were transcribed. It's Groucho Marx and You Bet Your Life on NBC.
on to Brian Hagler with quite another quick mix out. Jaws Professional Christmas. Great Gilders, Great Gilt, Great Gilt, Great Gilt, Great Gilt, Great Gilt, Great Gilt, Halls of Ivy, Handles, Massa, Handle, Hot Point, Holiday, Jack Carson, Show 441220, Enter. It's fun addressing Christmas cards, isn't it, Tugwell? Well, not for me, Uncle Jack. All the ones you write, I have to do over in account of your spelling. It may come as a shock to you, but Seattle is not two words. <laughs> it isn't? I thought it was. Seattle's such a big town. Hey, Uncle Jack, these plain cards are much better than the ones you sent out last year. Well, I still think that idea I had for cards last year was very novel. Just a modest, full-length picture of me that said, Merry Christmas from Jack Carson, the self-made man. Yeah, they all came back, Mark. Stay on, on the job and finish the job. <laughs> Don't exaggerate. That only ha happened on, on 50 of them. Uh, uh, well, I'll address the card to Cousin Louie. Okay. Hey, Uncle Jack, what's, what's it like where Cousin Louie lives? I told you time and again, Tug. Well, he's staying at a very exclusive resort. Well, I look, look through all the sportsman's magazines, and I can't find any place called the San Quentin Country Club. <laughs> It's there, and Cousin Louie has a very important position. It's, it's sort of government work. Oh, oh, is he frozen on the job? Well, yes, in a way. <laughs> Why do you ask? Well, in his last letter, he said it'd be a cold day when he got out. <laughs> yes, well, uh, never mind. Was there any mail for me this morning? Yeah, here's a Christmas card from one of the stores. Oh, that, that's not nice. Probably an appreciation of my, my patronage. Let me see it. Oh, it's from Bullock's. Bullock's Fine Department Store wishes you Christmas cheer galore. As you eat your turkey and candied yams, please remember you owe us 30 clams. <laughs> what a sweet thought. Was there any other mail, Tugwell? Yeah, there's a letter from home. Haven't you read it yet? No, let me see it. Here. Oh, it's from my dad. He says, Dear Jack, well, it's Christmas time and we certainly miss you. Too bad you can't be here for Christmas. Last night, Mother and I sat for a half hour and looked at your vacant chair. Gee. Then we went out and saw your latest picture. We should have stayed home and looked at your vacant chair. <laughs> I know how Dad means that. Remember, son, no matter where you go, there will always be a light burning in the window at home for you. P.S. The electric bill is enclosed. <laughs> Gee, Tug, well, I... I wish we were going back to Milwaukee for Christmas. Gee, the snow and the crisp, cold air, and 
The way I used to sing Christmas carols under people's windows. Well, you can sing under people's windows here, too, Uncle Jack. Yes, but somehow it's not the same. You mean here they don't throw pennies? Yeah. Uh, no, no. <laughs> it's not the money anyway, Doug. Well, it's the Christmas spirit that's missing. Gee, what I'd give to be back east right now and have a real old-fashioned Christmas. Hello, Master Cogwell. Hello, Master Cotton. Oh, hello, What's the matter, sir? You look terribly depressed. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen you so broken up since you made a mistake and paid me my salary in American money. <laughs> Preacher, this is no time to be financial. My salary is so small, sir. Preacher, you can't think of it that way. Think of what you receive when it's measured in the milk of human kindness. Uh, even that is condensed, sir. Yes. <laughs> Sir, I'm surprised that you have so little of the Yuletide spirit. Oh, it's understandable, sir. You see, I come from a very poor family, and Christmas never meant very much to us. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Were you really poverty-stricken? Yes, sir. Yes. But we did the best we could. We had a fireplace, but we couldn't afford a genuine fire, so we had to improvise one. You did? Yes. What a calamity it was when Santa Claus came down the chimney and backed into Papa's blowtorch. <laughs> what happened? Yes. Propulsion. <laughs> Gee, Treacher, it's, it's too bad you couldn't have enjoyed a real Wisconsin Christmas. Remember how it used to be, Tug? Yeah, first we'd decorate the tree, and then, then we'd tie some presents up, and then we'd light the tree, and then we'd tie up some more presents. Then those pretty girls from across the street would come over? Yeah, and then we'd tie you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, we used to have fun. What I'd give to be back there and then... I, I have a capital idea, sir. What? Why, if you can't go to Milwaukee, why not bring Milwaukee here? Hey, what are you talking about, Treacher? Why, recreate the atmosphere. Decorate the place here just like your parlor back home. Say, Treacher, that's a sensational idea. We could throw some salt around on the front walk to look like snow, huh? and we'll get a real Christmas tree. Hey, gee, that'll be swell. You know, that orange tree we had last year was no good. We had to hang a hot water bottle on it every time we got a frost warning. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that fairy on top of the tree looks silly stuck in a smudge pod. I'll call up the store and get one right now. Well, I don't think they're as easy to get as they are back east, Uncle Jack. Just, just leave it to me. I'll handle this. Hello, Randall's Supermarket. Hello, I, I'd like to buy a Christmas tree. Christmas tree? One moment. I'll connect you with our drugstore. <laughs> Hello, drug department. Hello, I, I would like a nice green fir tree about six feet tall with full branches, and I don't want, want to pay over 25 cents. Uh, you're a stranger in California, aren't you, Bob? <laughs> I have a very nice tree here that we're selling a lot of. It's three feet tall, and it sells for only $20. $20? Well, how many branches? Two, but they come extra. Aren't <laughs> your price is pretty unreasonable? Unreasonable? Do you know where we have to go to get these trees? Clear out to the Los Angeles city limits. You mean... Yes, Southern Oregon. <laughs> Haven't you got something a little less expensive? Well, you might be interested in our Palm Springs model. That's a dollar and a quarter. Well, what is it? A cactus tree complete with one cack. <laughs> hello? 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 Oh, he hung up on me. I don't have to buy my tree from him anyway. I'll get one someplace. Come on, we've got to start decorating this place. Creature, you start frosting the window so it'll look like Milwaukee, and I'll go and see if I can...
Freddie Martin, his saxophone, and his orchestra in the holiday favorite, Jingle Bell. Mrs. Martin. Hello, Freddie. Hello, Hello Jack. Jack. Come on in. Come on in. Freddie and I came over to thank you for inviting us to your party. Well, I... Well, Mr. Carson, you've changed your entire living room around, haven't you? Yes, Mrs. Martin. You see, this room is exactly the way our living room is in Milwaukee. My Christmas party is going to be a real Milwaukee party. You know, Mr. Carson, Milwaukee must be a pretty small place. I've never heard of it. Tell me, just where is Milwaukee? Well, Mrs. Martin, have you never seen a map? Uh, surely you know that New York City is on the East Coast. Yes. And uh, Los Angeles, of course, is on the West Coast. Yes. Well, everything in between is Milwaukee. <laughs> in fact, Milwaukee is one of the biggest, if not the biggest city in the United States. Well, what's the population? Uh, yes, never mind, Freddie. We don't have to get technical. I know what I'm talking about. Well, all right, then. What's the population? Dutch and Irish. <laughs> Freddie means how many people? Oh, oh, at least 10 or 12 million. Listen, Jack, I played there, and I happen to know that the population is only 400,000. 400? When were you there? Four weeks ago. Well, Freddie, people have children, you know. <laughs> well, it must be a very interesting city. Milwaukee, you might be interested to know, is a big manufacturing center. What do they manufacture? Oh, lots and lots of things. 
Well, what, for instance? Well, uh, uh, cheese. <laughs> what else? Uh, cottage cheese. Is that all they have back in uh, Milwaukee? Oh, how ridiculous. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Well, what do they eat besides cheese? Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Crackers. <coughs> Furthermore, I'm getting tired of this questioning. For your information, Wisconsin is an internationally famous dairy center, and that's why all the people there are so healthy. Now, when I was a kid, I had milk for breakfast, milk for lunch, milk for dinner, and eight glasses of milk between meals. Were you born there? Mrs. Martin, in Wisconsin, you're not born, you're homogenized. <laughs> Well, we didn't mean to get you upset, Mr. Carson. Come on, Freddie. We'll see you later. Goodbye. <coughs> Such people. Well, Tugwell, Tugwell. What is it, Uncle Jack? I got a list made out of all things to get at the market now. All right. I get a turkey, cranberries, plums for a plum pudding. Oh, boy, what a Christmas party this is going to be. Won't all of our guests be surprised this year? Yeah, this year you're serving food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me see. Did I leave anything off this list? Gee, Uncle Jack, you're really serious about making this a real Milwaukee Christmas, aren't you? I certainly am. Now, the only thing missing is snow. The downy softness of white, lovely snow. You know, there's, there's nothing more beautiful than a snowflake. Oh, Uncle Jack, stop it. You sound like vitamin Flintheart. <laughs> Tugbell, we've got to do something about getting some snow. Well, why don't we do like they do in the movies? How's that? You know, use shaved ice. Oh, sure, shaved ice. That's yeah. a wonderful idea. Hand me the phone. Boy, we'll really make this look like a Milwaukee Christmas. Shaved ice for snow. Hello, California Ice Company. Hello, uh, this is Jack Carson speaking. Do you happen to have a large quantity of ice? Oh, sure. We have 40,000 tons in our ice box. Ah, good, good. But you can't have any. Yeah. 40,000 tons in your ice boxes and I can't have any? Are you mad? No, we're defrosting. Well, look, this is very important. Where can I get a thousand cakes of ice right away? Well, we made a large delivery yesterday to the Tootie Fruity Cake and Ice Cream Company, Fitzroy 5103. Call them. They're practically snowbound. Oh, this is swell. I'm getting excited about that. I'll get a real Christmas tree in snow. Boy. Hello, Tootie Fruity Cake and Ice Cream Company. Hey, this is Jack Carson. I would like to order a thousand cakes. Hey, you're ordering the ice now, Uncle Jack? Uh, yeah, yeah, be quiet, be quiet. What'd you say? I say, this is Jack Carson. I'd like to order a thousand cakes. Very well, I'll send a man right over to see you. Who was that, Harry? Jack Carson, the movie and radio star. He wants a thousand cakes. Hmm, have we got the ingredients? Yeah, if we cut them down to two layers and leave out the eggs. Okay, I'll go over and see him.
I'm Mr. Douglas from the Tutti Fruity Cake and Ice Cream Company. Mr. Carson sent for me. Oh, yes. Come in, Mr. Douglas. You know, Mr. Carson is very excited about this Christmas party he's giving, so give him anything he wants. He'll pay you, eventually. Preacher, is that the man from the Cake and Ice Cream Company? Yes, sir. Oh, hello, Mr. Carson. What can I do for you? I'd like to have a thousand cakes. Fine. What size? Oh, about a hundred pounds apiece. A hundred pounds apiece? Yeah, yeah. Well, Mr. Carson, we have the nickel size and the family size and the giant triple-decker, but this is ridiculous. You want them with whipped cream? No, no, just plain. I want to shave them first. <laughs> that won't be necessary. Our cakes are fresh. Now, where do you want them delivered? Well, just spread them out in the front lawn. The front lawn? Yeah, yeah. I want to put on my overshoes, get out in that field of white, and feel that crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> oh. Oh, then you'll want nuts on top. No, no, no. Just plain. If it gets too slippery, I'll sprinkle ashes all over it. I, I may even want to scoop up a handful and throw it in somebody's face for a laugh. <laughs> what am I laughing at? <laughs> You know what else we can do? We can build a fort out of it like we did when I was a kid in Milwaukee and hide behind it. You'd better hide somewhere, brother. Ah, those were the days. In fact, you know what I used to do back in Milwaukee? What? I used to roll in it. We all used to roll in it. What kind of a town is Milwaukee? <laughs> you know, I'm glad you asked me that. Sit down. As you may or may not know, Milwaukee is situated on the shores of Lake Michigan. And in order to keep the waters of Lake Michigan from flooding all of Milwaukee, they built a big dike. Now, without that big dike, Milwaukee would be nothing. In the year 1879, a little hole appeared in the dike. By an amazing coincidence, a little Dutch boy was passing by. This little Dutch boy put his finger in the hole in the dike and saved the city of Milwaukee. Hmm. You know, Mr. Carson, I'm making a special trip to Milwaukee tomorrow. You are? When the train pulls into the station, I'm going to jump off the train. Yes. Run down the platform. Yes. Jump into a taxi cab. Yes. Dash out to the dike. Yes. And pull that kid's finger out of the hole. set for our old-fashioned Christmas party. That house really looks nice, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does, Uncle Jack. But isn't it too bad we don't have any gasoline to start the fire in the fireplace? Yeah, too bad, too bad. Do you remember two years ago when Uncle George was here and we started the fire with gasoline? Yeah, I'll never forget Uncle George. I must read his book, 30 Seconds Over Tokyo. <laughs> hey, Uncle Jack, by the way, are you going to use those Christmas booby traps you used on the girls back in Milwaukee? Christmas booby traps I use in the girls? Yeah, you know, the mistletoe spiked with chloroform. Tug well. <laughs> don't be silly. I don't need anything like that. Besides, it's time that you realize, well, it, that your Uncle Jack is a great lover. You are? <laughs> Absolutely. Why, I, I'm like Marvin Mitchell is in Toledo, Ohio. Who on earth is Marvin Mitchell? I don't know, but he's hot stuff in Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> Now, Tugwell, before the guests arrive... Mr. Carson, sir. Yes, yes, Preacher. You had some instructions for me about the party? Oh, oh yes, Preacher. Now, I didn't have a butler when I lived in Milwaukee, so, uh, Preacher, when the people arrive, I want you to announce them like this. Uh, announcing Mr. and Mrs. Frederick Martin. And uh, announcing Mr. and Mrs. Horace Peabody. 
And uh, you understand? Oh, yes, sir. But there's just one thing, sir. When the party gets rough... Yes? You want me to announce the cops? Yeah, preacher, the... preacher. No. It'll be enough of that. And remember, just say announcing Mr. and Mrs. Frederick Martin. And not here come the bums now. There's someone at the door. Go answer. Announcing Mr. and Mrs. Frederick Martin, and not here come the bums oh, now. Preacher, preacher. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hello, Mrs. Martin. Hello, Freddie. How are you, Mr. Carson? My, but your house looks lovely. Thank you, and I'm so glad you could come to my party. I, I think it was very sweet of you. Well, think nothing of it, Jack. We figured you might pass out cigarettes. <laughs> Freddie. That's no attitude to have. Besides, haven't you ever heard of the cigarette shortage? Oh, it's not that bad. It's not, eh? Well, for your information, they have just changed the name of Tobacco Road to Corn Silk Boulevard. <laughs> now, what do you say we have some good old-fashioned fun? Okay, where are the old-fashioned? <laughs> Buddy, I'm not going to serve old-fashioned. Mr. Carson, I thought you were going to have some entertainment. Oh, we are, yeah. A little later on, as a matter of fact, I, I'm going to sing. What do you think of that? Better serve old-fashioned. Yeah. Well, you don't start anything now. You're liable to get hurt. Oh, yeah? I bet you wouldn't say that to me if my orchestra boys were here. That's another thing, Freddie. From now on, I wish you'd stop referring to your orchestra boys as the master race. <laughs> hey, Uncle Jack, isn't it about time some of the other guests were arriving? Yeah, it is, Thug. Well, Preacher ought to be... Announcing Mrs. Peabody and her daughter, Phoebe. Oh, boy, my girl, Phoebe. Also announcing Mr. J. Walter Thompson and Sadie. Huh? And Mr. Stuyvesant Van Tester the second and their son, Stinky oh, the Preacher, third. that's enough. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Peabody. Merry Christmas, Jack. Merry Christmas, Phoebe. Gee, you look wonderful. Oh, thank you, Jack. Do you like my new dress? It's a cocktail dress. Cocktail dress? Yes. Well, it looks like you were poured into it. <laughs> oh, Mr. Carlson, I'm wearing a cocktail dress, too. Yes, but you forgot to say when. <laughs> Quite a bit easy, a very idea. Hey, Uncle Jack, now that the party's warming up a bit, what do you say we play some games? Oh, that's a wonderful idea. Let's play post office. Uh, would you like to play post office, Jack? Well? Hubba, 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 hubba. <laughs> hey, Uncle Jack, maybe I'm too young, but... How do you play post office? Well, it's like this, Tug. Mm -hmm. Phoebe will be the postmaster. Yes, I'll be the postmaster. Then I'll go into a dark closet. Then I'll call out Jack's name. That's right. Then I'll go into the dark closet with Phoebe. Well, then what do you do, Uncle Jack? <laughs> then I mail a letter. <laughs> well, you asked a silly question, you got a silly answer. Oh, Tug, well, stop. Now, listen, everybody, I have an idea. Oh, that's no fun. Wait a minute. Have you ever played... Oh, certainly, last New Year's Eve. Yeah, but not the way we played. We played it that way, too. Well, let me finish. Yes, at the finish, everybody falls down. Oh, it's no use. No, you can't get scotch anyway. Uh... <laughs> Fine thing in my own house, I can't say anything. Mr. Carson, sir? Yes, Preacher? This being an old-fashioned party, I brought down my violin. I thought we might have a spare dance. But, Tricia, you're English. Where on ever earth did you ever learn? Oh, Mr. Carson, we have squares in England, too, sir. Jack, I, can see. I, I think a square dance would be lots of fun. You do, Phoebe? Oh, yes, Jack. Doing anything with you is wonderful. Oh. You're so big and 
strong and handsome. Oh, Phoebe, you're just saying that because it's true. <laughs> Mr. Carson, sir, when you've finished mooning over the mountains, we'll start the square dance. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the square dance. Well, come on, everybody, get your partners for the square dance. Ready? Let's go. Swing your partners left and right. Come on, folks, and don't get tight. Swing them out and swing them in. Howdy, folks. How have you been? Take your gals and make them jolly. Tip your hat and clang your trolley. Walk around and take your place and jump right in their first face. Take it easy, roll their nelly, bend right down and touch your toe. Dog my dog and catch my cat, one, two, three, and Adam's hat. Sashay left and sashay right, sashay left and sashay right. Sashay left and sashay right, sashay left and sashay right. Hey, Uncle sashay Jack, Uncle Jack. Right. Hey, Uncle Jack. Jack, what's the matter? My sashay's stuck. <laughs> Jack? Ah. Jack, will you sing a song for me? Oh, I'd be glad to, Phoebe. Oh, Sam. Just like the one I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow Another Christmas is almost here. We did a little kidding about it tonight, but I honestly do wish, and I know you do too, that it could be a real old-fashioned Christmas. We know that cannot be until all of our folks come back home again. So to all you fellas and girls over there who can hear me now, we join you in our hearts in hoping for a Christmas as it used to be, and we pray we'll be soon again. And now we'd like you to join us in song while we all sing White Christmas.
this is the Armed Forces Radio Service. Lux radio Company brings you transcribed from Chicago, the Martin and Lewis Show, featuring Sheldon Leonard, Flo McMichael, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. the sidewalks are crowded with busy Christmas shoppers, Jerry and Dean sit sad and forlorn in their hotel room as they contemplate spending their holiday away from home. Oh, Dean. I'm so unhappy. Ah, Jerry, don't cry. But I don't like this hotel room. There's no fireplace, and that means there's no chimney. How's Santa Claus gonna get in? Oh, Jerry, you're 23 years old now. You shouldn't be so disappointed if Santa Claus doesn't visit you. But I am. When he came down the chimney, I wanted to light a fire and give him a hot foot. <laughs> now, what have you got against Santa Claus? Didn't he bring you just what you asked for last year? Toy soldiers? I didn't like the toy soldiers. All night long, they kept getting me out of bed to salute them. Jerry, when are you going to grow up? Dean, I'm growing up. Didn't I go to bed last night without you playing this little thing you went to market with my toes? You know, it is kind of strange, Jerry, that uh, we haven't had any invitations anywhere. Everybody throws parties this time of the year. If your name was only Tom, we could get into any Christmas party. My name was Tom. Sure, at Christmas parties, they always have Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, so I said if your name was Tom, you would be Tom and Jerry. See, it's like a whole joke, and when the people hear it, they're supposed to laugh and think it's very funny. So when I told it to you, I thought you would laugh because Tom would be you and I'd be Jerry, and it's like, I wish I was dead. Hey, Jerry, look what it says here. Invitations have been sent out to all of Chicago society for the mayor's Christmas ball. Uh, every important person in the city will attend. 
Uh, Jerry, we're not invited. So what? I can get invitations very easily. I'll just call the mayor. Give me the phone. <laughs> Hello, mayor's office. Say, this is Jerry Lewis. Dean Martin and I want tickets to the mayor's Christmas ball. Do I know the mayor? Well, I don't like to talk, but 23 years ago, when he was running for alderman, he kissed me. <laughs> he remembers, and he's still mad? Well, it was his own fault. He should know better than to squeeze a nervous baby. Goodbye. <laughs> He said that's terribly sorry, but there are no invitations left. Get that, Dean, will you? It might be a phone call. Hello? Yes. A telegram? All right. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, thank you. Goodbye. Jerry, that was from Harry Cohn of Columbia Pictures. He's coming to town to discuss a picture with us, and he says he'll see us at the mayor's ball. Gee, Dean, if Harry Cohn doesn't see us at the Christmas ball, he'll figure we're not important enough to use in a picture. Oh, we, we just got to get into that ball some way. Maybe we could sneak in, huh? Jerry, it's impossible for anyone to sneak in anywhere. Oh, I wouldn't say that, fellas. <laughs> Sophie Leonard, how did you get in here? Oh, it was in your closet. You see, I was spraying White Shoulders perfume on the morts. <laughs> spraying perfume on the morts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, then the morts will leave your clothes full of nice-smelling holes. <laughs> You see, because I happen to know your problem, boys, and I am just the guy that can fix you up with City Hall because, you know, I used to be in politics. So, but you weren't a politician. Well, uh, not exactly. They called me a political taxidermist. <laughs> see, I stuffed ballot boxes. Sophie, come on, stop kidding. Did you ever really succeed in politics? Oh, why, yes, sir. I sure did. Why, I ran for mayor of Calumet City, and I was a very... <laughs> Just so happens I was a very popular candidate. See, the, the uh, other politicians, they appealed to the man on the street. Not me. <laughs> I appealed to the man on the gutter. I was honest, though. I was very honest. I promised them nothing, and I lived up to it. Look, Sophie, how does all this help our problem? How? Well, through my connections, I happen to know Trigger Rockaway, who was a very big political man, and he will square you up with City Hall, and you'll get invited to the Christmas ball. Well, here is Trigger's office address. Gee, Sophie, we'll never be able to thank you, so don't expect it. <laughs> Let's go, Dean, huh? <laughs> Well, this must be uh, Trigger Rockaway's office. Let's go on in. Uh, pardon me, lady. We're Martin and Lewis, and, and we'd like to see Trigger Rockaway. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> now, just a minute. Nobody's gonna talk to me that way. Easy, Dean. Don't get angry. Remember, she may be somebody's father. <laughs> what do you want to see Trigger about? I'm his bodyguard. <laughs> a woman bodyguard? Ridiculous. Come on, put up your mitts and fight. Go ahead, take a swing on my jaw. What's the matter? Don't you want to fight a woman? You're scared of me? Well, you see, I haven't been too well. <laughs> How come you're Trigger's bodyguard? We knew each other years ago. 
When we was young, Trigger was in love with me. He used to walk home from reform school with me and carry my burglar tools. Well, then, uh, is this all you do now? No. I have a hobby on the side. A little bird shop. You probably raised stool pigeons. Oh, a wise guy, huh? How would you like me to tie a bow tie around your neck? I'm not wearing a bow tie. I know. I'll make it out of your leg. <laughs> now beat it. Jeez. You know, Jack, maybe we could go directly to the secretary that handles the tickets. Yeah. I'll go get the address. Wait here. And while you're waiting, you might as well sing a song. Oh, I can't just go ahead and sing a song. Oh, all right, all right. I'll introduce you. Ladies and gentlemen, because of circumstances beyond our control, there will now be a song from Dean Martin. Go sing. <laughs> Out. You better not cry, better not pout, but I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Well, he's making a list and checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been good or bad, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout, but I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. With little tin horns and little toy drums, Rudy Toot Toots and Rummy Tum Tums, Santa Claus is coming to town. And curly-head dolls and toddle and coo, elephant boats and kitty cars too, Santa Claus is coming to town. The kids in girl and boy land will have a jubilee, they're gonna build a toy land all around the Christmas tree, so you better watch out, you better not cry. Well, Jer, this is the address of the secretary of the mayor's Christmas ball. Yeah, Dean. Let's knock. Merry Christmas. We liked it. Why, hello, Daisy Esther. Yeah, hello, Daisy Esther. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, Daisy, we thought the secretary of the mayor's Christmas ball lives here. Oh, she does. Mama's the secretary. Call her. Mama. Oh, Mama. Daisy, how many times have I told you not to shout? Mr. Lewis. Daisy, why didn't you tell me that Mr. Lewis had come to court you? When is the wedding? <laughs> wedding? Daisy and I aren't getting married. I'm not ready for marriage. I have a barber and a partner to support. <laughs> wedding is a big step. It involves emotions and problems and money and decisions, and I refuse to get married. I absolutely refuse to get married. But why? Oh. 
I just don't feel it. Mother, don't beg Jerry. It's his loss if he doesn't realize that I'm a combination Jane Russell, Betty Grable, Lana Turner, and Rita Hayworth. Deep down inside of me, I'm a burning, yearning fire, just waiting to explode. <laughs> Are you for real? Mrs. Van Loo. Yeah. Jerry and I would like a couple of invitations to the mayor's ball. Oh, but we're inviting only the elite, people of culture, people who travel. Travel? Dean and I have traveled. Really? Have you ever been abroad? Eighty-seven times last year alone. Eighty-seven times abroad? Sure. How long does it take to cross Lake Michigan? Uh, tell me, did you ever swim in the Mediterranean? No, but we made a dive on Clark Street. <laughs> oh, really, really? I, I think you boys are jesting. Oh, no, Mrs. Van Loop. Jerry and I really have been around. We've mingled with the nobility of the world. Sure, we know them all. King George. Queen Elizabeth, Queen Mary, Duke Ellington. <laughs> if you don't believe me, I'll show you. Where's the phone? <laughs> Hello, operator. Get me King George in England. <clears throat> if he's not at the palace, try Winston Churchill's house. The boys play canasta on Monday night. Come on, Jerry, cut it out. Young man, you're a stupid, imbecilic moron, and until you learn proper etiquette, don't ever come near my daughter again. Well, Jerry, I guess we're out of luck. We won't be meeting the president of Columbia Pictures at the mayor's Christmas ball. Well, let's go back to the hotel. Well, Jerry, here we are, right back in the hotel room where we started. Gee, this isn't going to be much of a Christmas this year. Ah, forget it, kid. Hey, look out the window, Jerry. It's snowing. Yeah, it's snowing. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the one I used to know where the tree tops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. Now I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Dean. 
It made me feel good. Well, fellas, your worries are over. I've got you an invitation to the ball, and it is perfect in every respect, except that it is uh, slightly forged. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, let me, let me see that invitation, Sophie. Uh-huh. Hmm. It looks all right. Ah, oh, wait a minute, we can't use this. It's made out to a Count Minestrome and a Sir Yorkshire. Oh, well, don't you worry about a thing, boys, because I have got it. You see, Dean, you go as Count Minestrone, and Jerry right here is Sir Yorkshire. Oh, I don't think it'll work, Sophie. After all, Jerry and I don't have noble family backgrounds. Are you kidding, Buster? Noble family. I will prove you come from noble backgrounds because I will trace your family tree back. Now, Jerry, tell me, do you have any relatives who are apes? <laughs> No, but I have a second cousin who won't come down off the chandelier. Now, Jerry, look, I want you to think back and tell me whether there were any important Lewises in the family. All righty. Important Lewises, huh? Yeah. Let me see. There was uh, I.J. Lewis, the Fox King. There was Foxy Lewis, the I.J. King. And there was I.J. Fox, the Lewis King. I have to go way back to the first important Lewis's, though. Way back. Way back. Way back. Summon brave knight Sir Lancelot to the round table. Call for Sir Jerry Lancelot. Call for Sir Jerry Lancelot. Out of the star windy to you. You wanted me, O noble King Arthur, king of the round table, fairest of them all. Ah, oh, brave knight, I am sad. I want you to go forth and slay the dragon so I can sing again. You have just talked me out of it. <laughs> noble King Arthur, is this the wicked dragon that breathes fire and has killed a hundred knights? Yes, that's the one, brave Sir Lancelot. What sayest thou? <laughs> Bye. Napoleon Lewis, darling. How about a great big kiss? Not tonight, Josephine. <laughs> oh, take me in your arms and squeeze me and hug me. I am yours. Not tonight, Josephine. <laughs> Oh, Napoleon, chérie, I want you to make the passionate love to me. Not tonight, Josephine. Why do you keep saying not tonight, not tonight? I don't want to log up the history book. <laughs> you know, Sophie, you're right. My ancestors were very important people. I'll tell you what, Sophie. We'll take a chance and use the invitation to the Christmas ball. I'll be Count Minestrome, and Jerry can go as Sir Yorkshire. Well, that's perfect. That's great. Now, all we need are a couple of disguises to dress you up as the Count Minestrone and Sir Yorkshire. <laughs> well, Jerry, we made it. We're finally here at the Christmas ball. 
Dean, I'm scared. You think anybody will recognize us in these military uniforms? Oh, don't be silly. How could they? I'm wearing a beard and you're wearing a monocle. Jerry, where's your monocle? It got cold today, so I'm wearing it over the hole in my head. Gentlemen, may I see your invitation? Here you are. I beg your pardon, Your Highness. The Count Ministrone and Sir Yorkshire. Thank you. Here you are, my good man. Something for your trouble. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Just what I always wanted. A wet tea bag. <laughs> Quite all right. No strings attached. <laughs> All right, now, now, Jerry, watch your accent. Here, here, here comes Mrs. Van Loop. Okay, Dean. Allow me to introduce myself to your highness. My name is Mrs. Gloria Van Loop. Charmed and all that sort of rot, I'm sure. Pip, pip, <laughs> cheerio, rather, and Sir Seedwick Hardwick. <laughs> uh, the pleasure's all of mine, Mrs. Van Loop. I've heard so much about your country. Mrs. Van Loopen, may I present to my good friend and ambassador, the famous Sir York Shari. I'm at your service, milady. British, aren't you? No, English. Anyone for tea and crumpets? Anyone for fish and chips? Anyone for anyone? Yeah, that, that's right. My friend here is a card. My dear Mr. Van Loopy. Yeah, could I be the first one to wish you a Merry Christmas? Oh, thank you, Count Minestrone. You are a gentleman. Tell me, Count, what would you do if I stood under the mistletoe and closed my eyes? Now, I'd wake you up when it's time to leave. Oh, Count, you're having your little joke. Do you gentlemen dance? Only when we're alone. <laughs> compliment you on your dress uniforms. You look magnificent. Uh, Count Minestrone, tell me, what are you famous for? The Battle of Pasta Fazu. <laughs> oh, how thrilling. And you, uh, what are you famous for, Sir Yorkshire? Pudding. Are you a five-star general? No, I'm a four-star coward. <laughs> what? Oh, how exciting! You boys have been through quite a bit, haven't you? I beg your pardon, gentlemen. I'm a reporter for the Associated Press. What country do you two represent? Uh, I represent one of the world's greatest countries, schizophrenia. <laughs> schizophrenia? Never heard of it. Must be a very small country. It's a pretty small place, kid. <laughs> Schizophrenia is so tiny that when a Sophie Tucker comes to see us, most of her is across the border. I think you two are imposters. I happen to know every country on the globe. How come I never heard of schizophrenia? That's because we move it every year. 
could you move a country? Lost our leaf. I am the real Count Minisculoni. These men are imposters. And I am the real Soyorgia. How dare you masquerade as our highnesses? Imposter! Fraud! I challenge you to a duel. And I... Okay, if that's the way you feel about... Look out, Jerry. I'm drawing my sword. Steam! Steam! Oh, can't you see I'm busy? What do you want? Don't touch yourself. I am the best swordsman in all Europe. I will cut you to pieces. Don't worry, Dean. Don't worry. I'll get you out of this. I'll save you. Help! Thanks for saving my life, though. That real count would have killed me if you hadn't gotten us thrown out by the cops. Yeah, and I would have been next. Just imagine us both on his sword. I can see the headlines now. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Shish kebab. <laughs> I just had to do something, Dean. Besides, it's, it's much too near Christmas to get into fights. Yeah, you're right, Jerry. Come on, get up. Let's start walking. Yeah. Gee, Dean. Everything's sure pretty out tonight, huh? Uh-huh. Snow's still falling, lights from the shop windows, and Christmas trees lined up along Michigan Boulevard here. Gee, Dean, I can remember Christmas when I was a kid. I sure wish I could be home in Newark, New Jersey with my family this Christmas. Well, Jerry, in a few days we'll be down in Miami, Florida, opening our act at the Beachcomber Nightclub. Yeah. At least I'll get to see my dad down in Miami. He's opening at the 5 o'clock club the same night we open, Dean. Hey, Dean. Listen. Yeah, I can hear it, Jerry. Right down there at this next corner. People gathered around that big Christmas tree under the street light. Yeah, come on. Come on, Dean. Maybe we can join in with him. back home in Steubenville, Ohio. I remember Christmas Eve at our house. All the brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and aunts, mom and pop, they're all in the front room. The tree would be lighted. And before we'd open our presents, we'd gather around and sing in Italian. Not a Sacra tu te calmo e tu te luz con la vergine madre Dio sacro Dorme in paz del cielo. 
I'm very happy tonight. That's good, Jack. Are you doing? Yeah. Christmas to all of you listening tonight and to your families a Merry Christmas and God bless you all this is the National Broadcasting Company Well, we'll take it back to the automation system, and joining us Friday night is John Larry and I, with our special guest, Joe Webb. We'll talk about Casey Klein photographer, and probably suspense. Saturday night, Patricia will be back on the 16th. Sunday night, Perry Huntoon on Artie Shaw Part 2. So some, those are some of the things we're working on, and with that, on Monday, Patricia and I will join you that evening on the 18th. So it looks like we'll have Patricia quite a bit for the next three weeks during the week. So that's always good. And maybe January too, when they are free. So with that, Merry Christmas everybody. Good morning. We love you all very, very much. Alt-Tab. Alt-Tab. Items view. Alt-Tab. Sound Forge Pro 